it's time for On the Couch with our resident psychologist, Jane Enter, exploring life and caring for our mental and spiritual well-being on Bay FM 99.9. Welcome to our regular On the Couch segment with resident psychologist, Jane Enter, based at First Light Healthcare, Byron Bay. Today, we're focusing on sleep. Because let's face it, during these uncertain and challenging times, so many of us just simply aren't getting enough quality sleep. Why is it important for our mental and overall health? And how can we improve it? Great to speak to you once again, Jane. Thanks, Fern, and thanks for having me back. Look, let's start by finding out about what function sleep actually serves. It's a natural part of being human and being a part of the animal kingdom. Isn't that right? Yes, although some animals don't sleep. But human beings need sleep because it performs a variety of functions. One is to integrate and resolve memory and things that have worried us in the day. The second is to rest the body so that our organs and our levels of stress go down. And the third function is in deep sleep to allow um, the cerebral spinal fluid to enter the brain freely and take out amyloid proteins which sometimes are associated with uh, things like Alzheimer's and it has a restorative function to give you rest and to help heal and give your organs a chance to repair. So why is all of that important? Okay so you know if you go back to the old days of torture people had as a torture sleep deprivation because you lose perspective and you lose your mind if you don't get enough sleep. If you're very sleep deprived, you do not think clearly, your memory doesn't function, your body reaches a state of total exhaustion, and you are not able to make decisions and to engage in life in a way that is productive and useful. And what is enough sleep? Surely it varies from person to person because I I don't think I ever got eight hours sleep, very, very rarely. Look, eight hours is a, a figure that's thrown around, but at different stages of life you need more or less sleep. So obviously when you're a baby, you need sort of roughly 16 to 18 hours sleep. And why? Because when you're a baby, your brain is learning so much, it's exhausted. It's pruning neural pathways, it's trying to make sense, it's growing concepts, and that's exhausting. Brain work is very tiring. Mm. When you're an adolescent, you need roughly seven to nine and a half hours. Why? Because you're dropping down growth hormone to uh, obviously make you go through puberty and for you to reach your height. And you're also making other hormones um, that determine how you enter into puberty, etc., And when you reach early adulthood, you roughly need seven to eight. And older adults tend to need 
you know, seven to seven and a half. So your sleep changes over the lifespan. But sleep is very important because it does so much good for you. So it's in a sleep cycle generally lasts 90 minutes. And generally the human being go has four to five sleep cycles a night. So when you first get that sleep urge, you try and ride that wave because that's the beginning of your sleep cycle. Sometimes if you miss that wave, you have to wait for that 90-minute cycle to come round again. Then your sleep is basically divided into non-REM sleep and REM sleep. And the first stage of sleep is light sleep, where you're just beginning to doze off, where you're beginning to feel a bit drowsy, your pulse starts to drop, you start to feel more relaxed. Then you enter into the second stage of sleep, which is a, which is a deeper form of light sleep, but it's not yet deep sleep. And then when you enter into deep sleep, which is about 15 to 25% of your total sleep in the night, that's when your heart rests, that's when your organs slow down, it's when your temperature drops, it's when it's really hard to wake you because you're deeply asleep. And that's when your delta waves come in and generally the cerebral spinal fluid rides those delta waves flows more freely into your brain and you have less blood that is good because it cleans out your brain of neurotoxins and things that can you know block arteries and cause problems for you down the track and any given day does it have to be in one go or can because i know in some cultures in my culture southern european cultures we have siestas so we have a couple of hours sleep my mum does it in the middle of the day no, it depends on culture and a long time ago, before the Industrial Revolution and lights, we generally had our sleep in two stages. So you'd go to bed at the sort of, you know, setting of the sun and the winding down of the day and then people would wake up around midnight and one, bake the bread, get it ready for the morning and go back to sleep and then you'd get up again. Mm. So cultural um, changes and societies often will influence the kind of sleep when you have it. You know, we here I think you have to have it all in one go, but everyone I think has heard of the 20-minute power nap, which just restores you and calms you down. Siestas are great. Mm. As long as you're getting enough rest, enough quality deep sleep and you're getting your dream sleep which helps you integrate the day's events and form memory then you should be fine and does that have to be every day or can you catch up if you don't have um, enough sleep in a couple of days look no one's a hundred percent sure of that the general consensus is you can't catch up you can't store sleep you can't suddenly say, well, I've slept badly for four days and now I've had 12 hours sleep. You know, I've got a bit of store and I've caught up. Generally, you're just sleeping that long because you're pretty exhausted. And really, it's how you functioned in the days beforehand. Clearly, if you've been in an acute crisis or things have been very difficult, you've produced a lot of adrenaline and cortisol 
and that's gonna keep your body on fight flight and alert but once that acute crisis is passed your body's exhausted and you need to sleep deeply to help restore and repair mm. a good friend of mine has always said i'll catch up on a lot of sleep when i die <laughs> <laughs> what happens when you don't get enough sleep joan you don't have as good cognitive functioning so there's a lovely phrase by lunic which is you know when you have early waking your your sardines turn into whales in other words the things that you're worrying about become much bigger and seem irresolvable and it can affect your mood you become more irritable you respond to stress more quickly and with less um capacity you don't make the 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 sort of well thought out decisions you don't think things through as well you generally don't just function as as good as you normally do and when does sleep start getting disturbed what leads to that oh so many things stress and worry often people who are anxious um save all their anxieties for nighttime and they'll go to bed and then their mind starts going over everything they think they did wrong they resolve one anxiety and 20 new ones come along and before you know it they're in a state of stress and anxiety and worry and they produce adrenaline and they can't turn their mind off another one is people often who are depressed sometimes they have lots of broken sleep and sometimes they generally they can not generally they can sleep too much because they're avoidant then people have things like restless leg syndrome which can come from certain medications like um antidepressants and sometimes it can just happen because there's um something going on in your body sometimes people have parasomnias nightmares intrusive dreams um where they feel paralyzed and that they have a, a sense of dread and a bad presence in the room some people have a delayed sleep they can't fall asleep until the early hours of the morning and then they wake up at 11 or 12 and that's a sleep disorder some people have narcolepsy where they just keep falling asleep even in the middle of tasks and some people of course have insomnia where they they feel like they can't sleep and they have very patchy sleep and some people have sleep apnea where they have interrupted breathing mm. and of course in these times with digital technology and mobile phones younger people in particular are going uh, to try to sleep after being on social media so much their minds are very active Absolutely and what they're doing is they're dropping dopamine which is like taking coke there's a reward system you get on your social media you get anticipatory pleasure you drop down some dopamine you feel excited your brain's working you also get light coming in for mm. us to drop down melatonin our sleep hormone we need twilight We need a gentle light at night for our brain to say hey it's getting to bedtime we need to drop down the melatonin. So when we're on social media or we're watching things that are stimulating and are um in light we don't drop down our melatonin in the same way. 
sleeps. And how long should we give it, half an hour, one hour, before going to sleep, switching everything off? I say 90 minutes because that's a sleep cycle. So you need to give yourself enough time to wind down. There's a beautiful book by Reuben Nyman called Healing Night. And it's the science of sleep and spirit. And it really talks about how our brains respond to light and to the, the gentleness of the shadows coming in and twilight and how soft lighting in a house like candles or dim lights really help our brain recognize that it's getting time for rest. Mm. And so reading a book in bed, that's different? Uh, Yes, but it depends on you, actually, because um, if you're reading an exciting book, like if I'm reading something I love, I can't put it down. I have Mm. to finish the book. So I've got to read something like one of my psychology journals because that puts me to sleep in no time. (laughs) (laughs) But doesn't it keep your mind active, though? No, because it's like you, I can, for me, I can only take in so much mm. and my brain goes, oh, I've had enough of this. Mm. But if I'm reading something exciting, and for other people, they have a behavioral learned response where they got read bedtime stories. Now, I don't know if you've all heard of the Calm app, but the Calm app is an app which you, have, you can download onto your phone. And it helps with anxiety and sleep and depression. It's got different programs. But it has a sleep app. And in that app, there are lovely people like Matthew McConaughey and other actors I've forgotten reading you a bedtime story. So when you read and if you associate it with it in your brain of nighttime, going to sleep, being read to and relaxing... Things like reading at night will help you feel like mm. it's bedtime. Mm. How common is disturbed sleep among the people who present to you for help, uh, Jane? Extremely high. I have two or three clients that I wish I could clone because they have the most amazing sleep. Nothing No matter what's going on in their life, they have incredible sleep. But the majority of the people I see have sleep disturbance. And it can either be that just before they go to bed, all their worries come to the surface. And if anyone's listening and they relate to that, having a journal by your bed where you write down what you're worried about is really helpful. Because when you write it down, you get a perspective. You close the book, you put it away. If you happen to wake up in the night, you can write in your book and you can say, I'll deal with that at therapy or I'll deal with that in the morning. Mm. Um, And other people, they fall asleep because they're really exhausted, but then two or three or three or four in the morning, suddenly they're awake and they're worrying. They're trying to resolve the issues of yesterday or things that Mm. have come into their mind that they're upset about. And what are some of the <coughs> most common, you, you mentioned some of them earlier, but some of these more serious sleep disorders? When people can't stay asleep for long or they can't get to sleep or they're having very short periods of sleep. One of the most difficult ones is sleep apnea because you literally stop breathing. So you wake up tired 
every day. And there's a beautiful place in Bangalore, the Sleep Clinic, and a lovely GP called Graham Truswell, and he will help you with your sleep issues and do tests and give you things to take home, and they can tell you what's going on with your sleep. So that's sleep apnea. What are, what are some of the other ones? Well, the parasomnias, which are intrusive, worrying nightmares and states of fear, where you wake up and you just feel like you've been through the ringer and you wake up in terror. Young children often have night terrors where they um, feel you know, terrified when they wake up. Some people have um, a fear of going to sleep because they, they think they're going to die in their sleep. So they try and stay awake all night to avoid dying. And, you know, a common one, as I've said, is insomnia, where you can't really sleep properly. You have bits of sleep, but you never feel like you've got a good night's sleep. Mm. So how can we improve our sleep? This is what everyone's waiting for. Give us some tips. Okay, so there's an MP3 I've shared with you, Fern, called Eliminating Stress, which goes for 32 minutes. And it's a wonderful... um, Uh, guided meditation and people generally fall asleep to it and it's very calming and very soothing. There's also the book that I mentioned Healing Night but there are lots of other things you can do. You can create night at home. In other words you have low lighting, you create a very gentle atmosphere. You have a sleep hygiene bedtime routine. So your body knows that at half past eight or half past nine or half past ten, it's going to go and brush its teeth. You're going to get warm and cosy. You might have a, a warm bath or a warm shower. You're off your social media. You've stopped arguing with people online. You've stopped researching things that terrorize you and horrify you. You're no longer looking for who's really doing what under whom. You're tuning out, you're switching off and you're embracing the night. You then might read if that's something that calms you down or you might listen to a guided meditation or you might play music or you might do things like... um, Just empty your mind and put your thoughts into your diary or thoughts, you send them up into bubbles up into the air. But you start to calm yourself down. In the day, in order to have a good night's sleep, it's it's good also to have a tired body. So going for a walk, doing some exercise makes a huge difference. Most of your energy actually is taken up with your brain, not with exercise. Mm. So you can have a very tired brain, but your body's not so tired. So if you exercise in the day, hopefully you're going to get a tired body and a tired brain. If you have those two, you're going to have a better night's sleep. And some people talk about having milk drinks because it contains tryptophan which can help with sleep. Some people believe in taking melatonin. There are a number of things you can take to help your sleep 
but you don't want to take something that you feel dependent on because that causes a whole mm. host of other problems. So a bit of a routine around sleep, going just before you're going to sleep. I just wait till I, my body's very tired and then I crash. A lot of the times it's, you know, five minutes after coming off a computer. That's not ideal, but your body kind of tells you, doesn't it? It does, but there are, there are certain things like... If you if you're in a relationship or don't have serious conversations after six o'clock at night if you can avoid it, mm. try not to argue in the evening and have serious discussions. Try not to talk to people at night that you know that you you have conflict or differences with. Try and do that stuff in the day, or if there's an issue you need to discuss, flag it for the weekend. Ideally, you do that. I know it's not always possible, but try not to have serious stuff happen at mm. night time when your mind has had enough and it just wants to wind down and relax. Also, one other thing, try not to show yourself horror movies at night. If you are one of those people who are Googling frantically all the doom and gloom that's around us at the moment, try not to do it after six or seven. Mm. Give your brain a break from having to think and having to worry. Keep it light. Yeah, and protect yourself. Mm. And what are you going to leave us with, Jane? Well, it's a lovely bit of prose from the Irish philosopher John O'Donoghue, which I'd love <coughs> excuse, to read to you. The world rests in the night. Trees and mountains, fields and faces are released from the prison of shape and the burden of exposure. Each thing creeps back into its own nature within the shelter of the dark. Darkness is the ancient womb. Nighttime is womb time. Our souls come out to play. The darkness absolves everything. The struggle for identity and impression falls away. We rest in the night. Beautiful. May you sleep well tonight. I will include those links at the bottom of this podcast and on our webpage. Jane Enter, it's been an absolute pleasure once again. Next week, we're going to talk about liminal spaces, how to deal with the uncertainty of our times. Hope you can join us for that. Thank you, Jane. Thanks, Fern.